Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. the frequency, tune in. Get up, word. Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. And I want to welcome you back to another edition of the Pastor's Office. I need you to do me a favor. If you're listening alone, go get the other members of your household and ask them to come and join us today. If, if you're listening alone, text some friends, text some family members, and ask them to tune in to 100.7 FM because our first segment is incredibly important. Uh, I think, like me, all of us have really tired of the violence that is taking place in the city of Philadelphia. I think, like me, uh, all of us, as Fannie Lou Hamer said, are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And many organizations, many groups, many individuals, are doing what they can to try to stem the violence and the crime in our various communities. Today in our first segment, I want to talk to you about what a group of concerned pastors and churches are doing in conjunction with the Philadelphia Police Department in order to bring an end to this increasing violence in our city. I want you to understand, my brothers and sisters, that together we can make a difference. But it starts with grassroots efforts. And that's what we're going to talk about in this first segment. Let me welcome into the pastor's office for the very first time one of my colleagues in ministry, Pastor Hubert Barnes uh, of the Star of Hope Baptist Church, and the captain, the newly appointed captain uh, of the 15th District, Captain Marcus Newsom. Gentlemen, welcome into the pastor's office. How are you this afternoon? Doing well. Thank you very much. Doing great. Thank you for having me. I, I certainly wish we were together to talk about a more positive topic. Uh, but today we're here to talk about what we are doing to try to reduce crime and reduce the violence. Let's say this, to try to end the violence and crime uh, in the communities that we serve. Uh, uh, before we jump into the topic, uh, uh, Pastor Barnes, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, tell them uh, about Star of Hope, how long you've been pastoring there, uh, and your commitment and love for, for the community that you serve. Star of Hope has celebrated its 106th anniversary this year. 
I have uh, been blessed to be the pastor there for 37 years. And we have a, a firm concern about the community. And we are reaching out to the community in multiple ways and looking for other ways that we can positively impact the community for the cause of Christ. And, and, and Captain Newsom, I, I know you, uh, I'll spoil your background a little bit, but I know you grew up uh, in the Great Triumph Baptist Church uh, where Pastor James Hall is still there preaching the gospel. Pastor Hall uh, was one of my father's best friends. Uh, my father used to pastor Northeast 41 years. They used to travel together, go up and down the roads together. But I, I share all that to say I'm thankful we have a captain in the precinct uh, that knows how to call on the name of Jesus, and and was and was and was had enough wisdom uh, to pull all of these pastors together to make a difference. But share a little bit more about your background with our listeners. Yes, um, yeah, I grew up in Triumph Baptist Church. Um, my father is a deacon there, very close with Pastor Hall, who's been instrumental in my career and my life. Um, some of the things that he has taught over the years to me and um, triumph is, you know, always find joy in your work. And that's what I'm implementing in my new command. I've only been in the 15th district since February. Um, I have 25 years police experience. I've had various assignments. Most recently, I was a lieutenant in narcotics. And I feel that that will help me in my duties here in the 15th district. Um, And, you know, that's what kind of brought me here today. So, uh, uh, Pastor Barnes, uh, why don't you share with our listeners how this coalition of pastors came together? I had the great opportunity uh, to attend a meeting at uh, Star of Hope a few weeks ago, and there were pastors, uh, a diverse group of pastors, uh, that were there uh, meeting to talk about what's going on uh, in our various communities. So why don't you talk to us about how this group came together. Captain Newsom contacted me. I received a uh, text message from him, and we followed up with a fascinating telephone conversation. And he advised me that he would would love to see us come together for prayer walks as soon as as possible. And um, I reached out to some of the pastors, such as yourself, and I am 100% certain that the Lord is in this. Uh, the response from the pastors has been awesome. And as you stated, we are a diverse group, interdenominational, cross-cultural, and we come with the same concern. As you said so eloquently at the beginning of this interview, we are all tired of being tired of the violence that is a plague in our communities. And, and, and Pastor, Pastor Newsom, I want to applaud you uh, for reaching out, as I shared earlier, but you shared your brand new Into the Precinct. What, what did you walk into? I mean, I, I know you had to be briefed on the statistics of crime in the neighborhood, uh, you know, of, of where things are transpiring in the various geographic locations. But just kind of give us the breadth and width of what you've inherited. This is a uh, very serious assignment, as all police uh, 
command assignments are, but this one in particular, coming into it, we are leading the city in a lot of the violent crime statistics. Um, we had a rough start to the year. Um, at the beginning of the year, we just, you know, took off with uh, our shooting numbers and our homicide numbers and robbery numbers. Um, and it continued into the spring. And, you know, we are throwing a lot of resources at a lot of the problems. But one resource that, you know, we weren't using was our bridge to the community and to the pastors. So that's when, you know, I reached out to Pastor Barnes and this uh, prayer walk began. So so let's talk about that. Uh, you know, one, one thing that, one thing that, that, that I recognize and one thing I talk to our listeners about all the time uh, is we can't, don't bring a problem to the table if you're not also bringing a solution. Uh, it's imperative that as we come together, we come with solutions. So, so, so Captain Newsom, talk to me about what you feel the impact of prayer walk will deliver in our communities? Well, number one, I, I feel like from the police department perspective, it's an excellent opportunity to bridge the gap between our police department and our community. And I say our community because I'm part of it. Um, one of the things that's important is that the community members see us, not only the pastors, not only members of the congregations, not only members of the community, but also police officers taking a part of this. They see us in a different light. It's a positive light that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't get to see up close and personal. Uh, Pastor Barnes, uh, you know the power of prayer. Uh, you talk to us about how you feel this these prayer walks will impact the communities. You're right. There's no questioning the power of prayer. Bible says effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man um, effectuates must, uh, much. The, these prayer walks are bringing us together. We have about 16 congregations represented, and that, that number is growing. The fact that we're coming together with a common issue, a common concern, I can already see that the Lord is answering the prayer and bringing us to focus on the common problem, to look beyond our congregational concerns, to look beyond our denominational concerns, to come together to recognize that there is an issue out there that we need to be praying for the persons who are perpetrating the crimes, for the victims of the crimes, for the people who are living in the neighborhoods who are afraid to even come out at night. It's, it's bringing us together on that point. It's creating an opportunity for us to um, demonstrate to the community our concern. It's given us an opportunity for us to witness, to understand that there are people who are caught up in this code of the street, and they don't know any better. And we're able to come out to, to offer them the, the, the abundant life of Christ, to offer them a way out of where they find themselves locked. And I believe that um, as we pray, uh, like you, Pastor, we, we know that God answers prayer. God hears prayer and he responds to prayer. 
And I believe that there are, will be efforts, uh, concrete steps that we may take as a group or different congregations can take in order to impact the communities, to, to reach out to uh, young people and others who are involved in these activities, to help them find an alternative means of, 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 of living and, and, and to be, escape from this cycle that they're caught up in which results in the horrible violence and, 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 and the shootings and, and, the, and the homicides that we are all seeing. So I believe the Lord is starting something here. And, and um, uh, I believe, uh, like the scripture, when Elijah prayed uh, in the midst of, of, of the, the cultural uh, decline in his, in his nation and said it won't rain and it didn't rain, God, and God answered that prayer. And I believe if we come together and pray, uh, the Lord will move, and he will show us ways to step forward to, to deal with this problem, the, these problems that we're seeing. Um, I'm not naive. I know that there are complicated uh, sociological and other issues that are there. I know that there are experts who may be needed, but I believe that God is still on the throne, and he's still will open doors that we didn't even know exist, and he still will use us uh, in ways to, to impact the communities and help people find their way out of, of where they are. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM. We're here talking with Pastor Hubert Barnes, uh, the star of Hope Baptist Church in the Taconi section of Philadelphia, uh, and we're talking with Captain Marcus Newsom uh, of the 15th District uh, the Philadelphia Police Department. Gentlemen, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first march. Uh, it's going to be taking place on June the 30th. Uh, Pastor Barnes, why don't you give us all the specifics? We will assemble at 6.30 on Tacawana Street in Frankfurt section, uh, across the street from the former St. Thomas United Methodist Church. And we're going to have a route that we're going to walk and pray and stop and pray on each corner. We're going to proceed down Margaret Street and then on to Hawthorne Street and then on to Falkrod Street and then back to Tacawana Street. The uh, pastors in the community of Frankfurt, they will be ahead of us and the rest of us pastors will be there. And uh, we believe we'll have a, a, a sizable number of representatives from the different congregations and the communities who will be there with us. Uh, walking with the police there uh, on this, this prayer walk. So that's 6.30 we will assemble, probably leaves uh, perhaps around 6.45. Captain, talk to us about the police involvement in this march. Will they, will they be serving strictly as security uh, and monitoring the march, or will we see the blue, the, the, the blue and white marching with us on that night? Um, it's my hope and my direction for them to be almost like a Swiss Army knife. I want them there as security for traffic, for interacting with the community. And it's my hope that we could reach out to some of the young men and women in that community to join us in hand-in-hand in prayer and, and in the walk. Um, because as we were saying earlier, you know, we can't do this alone. We need the community's help. So um, I want to use my officers in different ways uh during the march where we can interact with the community and also keep us safe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Philly's favorite listeners, 
we've got to do this one community at a time. It's starting in Frankfurt on June the 30th at 6.30 p.m. So if you're in South Philly, if you're in North Philly, uh, no matter where you are, if you're in Nice Town, make your way to 4701 Tackawana Street, 4701 Tackawana Street on June the 30th at 6.30. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down, and we're going to do it through prayer and the unified effort of the churches in the various communities and with the police department as our committed partners. So please spread the word. Share it with everybody. Captain, is there a phone number that our listeners can call if they want more information? Absolutely. They can call 215-686-3150, and I will have all the information they need. I can have email flyers emailed to them as well. All right. Let's say that number one more time, Captain. It's area code 215-686-3150. All right. All right. Pastor Barnes, uh, as the co-convener of this great group, uh, talk to us about the vision for the future before we close. We know we're starting in Frankfurt, but talk to us about how we're going to expand this effort to make sure that we touch as many sections of the city as we can. We are following um, the direction of Captain Newsom and the police department. They know where the troubled areas are. Our next walk will be held on the first Friday of August which is August the 4th, and that will be held in the Taconi community. We will uh, have not yet uh, finalized our plans in terms of where we will start and end, but that's where we're going to go. We will be continue to meet, uh, calling ourselves uh, as a description, not necessarily a title, but calling ourselves Concerned Faith Leaders of Philadelphia, and we will uh, continue to have periodic meetings at which we will uh, identify no, find out what are the other areas of concern, and we will plan prayer walks in those areas, again, um, in conjunction with the police department as we are partnering with them to address these troubling issues. I really want to thank both of you for coming in today. Uh, I really want to thank you for bringing this effort uh, to the pastors uh, here in this local community. Uh, I, I truly believe this. I truly believe uh, that we can tear Satan's kingdom down. I truly believe we will tear yeah. Satan's Amen. kingdom down. And then there's a value in bringing churches together, because if you're not concerned about who gets the credit, mm-hmm. then God will get all the glory. And, and that's what this is all about, and that's what we're excited about. So again, uh, I want to encourage our listeners, this coming Friday, June the 30th, 6.30 p.m. Don't meet me there. Beat me there. 6.30 p.m., 4701 Tackawana Street, right in front of St. Thomas United Methodist Episcopal Church. We're going to start this first prayer march, and then we're going to continue them uh, throughout different sections of the city uh, going forward. And we expect to have political leaders there as well. We expect to have the press there as well. Because if the press can show up when something negative is going on, then the press ought to be there when something positive is taking place. Gentlemen, God bless you. Thank you. 
Together we can make a difference, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you for joining us in the pastor's office today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll be right back with Representative Mike Schlossberg after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly Saver listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Pastor Jonathan Mason here with you. And again, uh, I want to encourage each and every one of you to join us at this prayer march that will be taking place in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia on June the 30th at 6.30 p.m. June the 30th at 6.30 p.m. Join us, meet us, 6.30 p.m. at 4701 Tackawana Street. 4701 Tackawana Street, which is the location of St. Thomas United Methodist Episcopal Church. Join us there. We're going to march through the community. We're going to pray, and we're going to tear Satan's kingdom down. Now we want to pivot. Uh, I want to talk to you today uh, about a bill that passed the Pennsylvania House of Representatives uh, for adult mental health services. Uh, and today we're going to be talking with the sponsor of that bill, and I believe this is his first trip into the pastor's office. Uh, let's welcome Lehigh County Democrat Representative Mike Schlossberg. Representative Schlossberg, welcome into the pastor's office. Pastor, it's an honor to be sitting in the office. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for having me on such an important topic. Absolutely. Listen, but before we get into this bill that you sponsored, I've got to say this, and I share it all the time, just as we can be critical of elected leaders uh, for the things that are not done right, we also need to celebrate uh, those that are responsible for leading and guiding us when things are done well or even done in an extraordinary fashion. And to that end, I want to get your thoughts on what has transpired with this I-95 corridor. We thought that all traffic was going to have to be diverted for months. And in 12 days, sir, we're able to now at least have a few lanes open. Why don't you talk to our listeners a little bit about that progress and the teamwork that had to happen to make that come to fruition? Pastor, I think you said it best. I mean, like everybody else, when I saw that, that road collapse, my first thought was this is going to be months of dislocation, economic challenges, and a massive logistical challenge for the people of Philadelphia, and frankly, for the people of the eastern part of the United States. For them to get that road up and running in 12 days, everybody involved with it, from the workers on up to the mayor, to the PennDOT secretary, to Governor Shapiro, really deserve nothing but praise. It was a massive feat of logistic, logistical government and private sector coordination, and they got it done. And it's genuinely remarkable and praiseworthy, and I'm just so thrilled that this story didn't end much, much worse than it already did. You know, it's interesting, uh, State Representative. Uh, I actually drive that corridor every day. The the accident actually happened uh, one exit ahead of where our studios are located. So so we were actually driving uh, up the Roosevelt Boulevard, down and around. It literally added about forty five minutes to the yeah. trip. So if that if that was happening for me, I can't imagine what it was doing to commerce. I can't imagine what it was doing to people who work in Center City or down in, down near the airport. This is just phenomenal what they were able to get done. 
Yeah, it, it is. It is remarkable that they did it so quickly. I and I'm okay. just beyond relieved that they were able to get it done. Not just for the sake of people sitting in traffic, but you think about the the hundreds of businesses and the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of jobs that rely on that corridor to be functional. And for that road to be up and running means a lot of jobs are going to be saved. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, listen, I want to thank you for joining us here today. We want to talk about this bill that you've sponsored uh, that will, when signed, well, when it gets through the Senate and when it gets to the governor's desk, uh, it will provide $100 million for adult mental health services. What inspired you to kind of work on this project? Sure. Well, a variety of things. I mean, when I talk about mental health, I talk about it from two perspectives. First and foremost, one in five Americans actively suffer from some sort of mental illness. One in two will over the course of their lifetime, but only 40 percent of people get the treatment that they actually need. And we know all of those numbers got worse after COVID and they got even worse among our youngest. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for Children and teenagers and young adults between the ages of 10 and 34. It's a massive public policy challenge. But secondly, it's also a personal one. I've had depression, anxiety-related issues my entire life. I've been suicidal, but I've also been lucky enough to get treatment. And I've tried to use my personal experiences to not only destigmatize the issue, but to put more funding behind mental illness. After COVID, there was an increased recognition of the need to better fund these areas. We were fortunate enough to get billions of dollars in aid that we could use for a variety of purposes related to COVID. Given the mental health challenges that came from COVID, I worked with Democrats, Republicans, the Wolf administration, now, of course, the Shapiro administration, to try to create a bill that would allot funding for these purposes. And that got through the House a few weeks ago, and hopefully it'll get through the Senate within the next couple of weeks. So, so first of all, your personal testimony uh, is important because a lot of what we've experienced in life drives our passions as we go through life. Uh, so, so you've had to deal with mental illness in your own life. I will tell you that I had a brother. I have a brother that has dealt with mental illness. Has had mm-hmm. uh, uh, many bouts of nervous breakdowns and. And we spent a lot of time at Friends Hospital back in the late 70s and the early 80s. And thank God he's doing wonderful now. But, but State Representative, I cannot emphasize enough how important it was for us to have a network of support to get him through his challenges. Absolutely. Uh, and to see him flourishing now. Uh, you you kind of touched on that in your opening statement, but how? Uh, let's really drive that. Up. How important is that network of support in helping people battle through mental illness? Uh, there is no question, and there are multiple studies that back it up, that people who have family, friends, and others they can rely on for support to talk to in down moments and to get them through a crisis are more likely to not just recover but to live. Um, and you know, there's. Look, one of the things that I've struggled with the most of my entire career is recognizing what we do have the ability to change and what we don't. In government and in politics, we can't build somebody a social network, but we can give them access to services that will make it easier for them to get the support that they need, and that's where our role is. Now, that being said, at the end of the day, people need support. They need family, friends, and others that care about them to get them through their hardest times. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the bill itself. Um, it's $100 million. One thing you said uh, in, in one of the articles I read, uh, 
is it's a lot, but it's a little. Uh, yeah. What, what did you mean by that? So $100 million is clearly, you know, to any normal human being, a ton of money. But the truth is that we've underfunded our mental health system for years in terms of workforce development, recruitment, facilities, programs, and more. The unmet needs probably total well into the billions. So while this $100 million is important, it's really just a drop in the bucket. And we have to continue to invest and reinvest in these programs if we're going to get ourselves into a position um, that we can actually get our arms around mental health and make a real difference. And, and so how will that money break down and make its way into the various agencies and communities to help impact mental health? Sure. So roughly it gets broken into three component parts. The first is workforce. And I'd argue, honestly, the most important is workforce because we have real challenges. The biggest call that I get when it comes to mental health is I can't find a therapist. That's because we haven't invested enough in training programs and reimbursement rates so that people who go into medicine are less likely to go into psychology or uh, are less likely to go into psychology, psychiatry, or become a licensed social worker or a licensed counselor or anything like that. That is a real challenge. So we put money towards a variety of programs, including retention, recruitment, uh, and the like that will hopefully make it easier for people to go into programs. Next, we have increased collaboration with other medical, with other um, aspects of healthcare. So there's models out there that would fund an increased integration between physical healthcare and behavioral healthcare. So you're at a doctor's office, they see you're having an a emotional challenge, they say, hey, walk across the hallway to my psychiatrist, they'll help you out. That's something that's really important. We also want to make it easier for hospitals and nonprofits to deal with victims of violence, to actually have the physical bed space that will enable somebody to get the help they need and to be admitted into a caring facility, uh, programs like that. And last is criminal justice. We have an obligation to people who are incarcerated to make sure that they get the help that they need. And that obligation exists on two levels. First and foremost, it's a human obligation. Somebody being incarcerated doesn't mean that they don't deserve services and care. But second of all, from a societal perspective, if we actually want to be safe, we have to make sure that people who are incarcerated get mental health treatment if they need it, because if they do, they are far less likely to reoffend when they do get out of jail. You know what? That, that recidivism piece is real important. Mm -hmm. um, we, we talk about it uh, with uh, several of the uh, elected leaders that come on the show. So anything we can do. Uh, to help decrease recidivism uh, is, is critically important. So I was really happy to see uh, that that was a piece of the bill and that funding will go towards that area. That's that's crucial, Representative. That's crucial. Listen, you're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM. We're talking to Representative Mike Schlossberg uh, about a bill that he has sponsored, uh, which will deliver $100 million uh, to adult mental health uh, here in the state of Pennsylvania. It passed the House a few weeks ago. Uh, state Representative Schlossberg, why don't you tell me uh, what we think, what we believe the timeline will be to get this bill through the Senate and then get it on the governor's desk for signature? So the good news is, as we are sitting here talking, we're a few days away from the budget deadline, and you know I don't know if we're going to hit the deadline or not or be a few days late, 
But I do know for a fact that the House majority, led by Speaker Joanne McClinton, Leader Matt Bradford, myself as a member of the Democratic leadership, we are committed to making sure that we make real investments in mental health, and this is a huge part of it. So we've told our counterparts in the Senate that this is a priority, again, one of many mental health-related items. But I feel pretty good because I know that there's a lot of senators, Republican and Democrat, who understand the issue, care deeply about it, and know that there's a real need to invest in it. I feel relatively good that this is going to get folded into the budget conversation. And as a variety of financial items passed that are part of the budget, I feel pretty good. We've got to keep working it. We've got to keep picking up the phone and calling senators and making sure this gets done. But I feel good that we're going to get there. Wonderful. Now, now one, one other thing that I, I've been looking at here is this is just the beginning. It looks like there are a lot of other bills. Uh, that are in the pipeline dealing with different areas of mental health. Uh, can, you, can you just share a little bit of that with us? Absolutely, and you're completely correct. So this $100 million package is important, but there's a lot of other things. Um, first, Governor Shapiro completely correctly called for increasing funding to counties who take care of the basically the poorest and those with the least access to health care to the tune of $20 million or so. He called for funding the 988 mobile crisis system with a regular piece of a cell phone tax that we have right now. So making sure that when somebody calls or dials 988, the suicide prevention hotline, that they can get the help that they need. He has also called for an additional $100 million that would go directly to schools to help schools deal with their mental health uh, challenges. Wow. That's, that's, that's great news. That's great news. And, and, and this is a new administration uh, Governor Shapiro was sworn in back in January. Seems like he seems like the administration has hit the ground running. And of course, uh, seeing uh, Representative McClinton uh, become Speaker, uh, wow! Uh, that 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 was a major milestone in the history of Pennsylvania. She's actually going to be preaching for me uh, in October. I can't wait to for, for no, that to happen. Me. Uh, absolutely. We, we, we love Joanna McClinton now. <laughs> well, but Joanna is a friend, colleague, and a, and a true leader, and I'm honored to serve with her. Absolutely. But, but why don't you share with our listeners, because I do believe in sharing the positives, why don't you just share with our listeners your thoughts on how this administration, uh, the House and the Senate have kind of started to try to move past some of our partisan divide and really deliver for the people of the state of Pennsylvania? I think the governor has absolutely proposed a budget that's got a lot of good things for a lot of different people. You know, we're fortunate that right now, from an economic perspective, we're doing well in Pennsylvania. That puts us in a position to better invest in people, to better invest in education, human services, job creation programs. The other day, the House passed uh, for the first time in 17 years, a bill to increase the minimum wage. We passed earned income tax and increased earned income tax credit to help the working poor and middle class families have an easier time being able to, frankly, afford living. Um, we've got a budget. The House Democrats passed a budget that made all of these investments and then some, including investments in law enforcement, in the whole, the whole homes repair program that would help people repair older housing stock. I think there's a lot of really good things in the budget. At the same time, the governor has spoken about increasing some tax cuts, about redoing the way we do economic development in Pennsylvania, and about uh, changing some education funding mechanisms that have certainly gotten a little bit of controversy, and rightfully so in my opinion. 
Uh, we are not there yet, but the governor has, to his credit, made it clear he wants to be a governor for all of Pennsylvania, and he's working very well, I think, with Republicans and Democrats. We've, we've still got a way to go on this budget. I don't want to make it sound like everything's sunshine and rainbows and we're all holding hands and skipping to the promised land, but the tenor is different, and I think it's pretty clear that everybody is willing to work together. That's great news for the people of Pennsylvania. I hope uh, so. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's, my, it's my prayer uh, that uh, the momentum uh, that we are witnessing right now will uh, evolve into uh, some sunnier days, let us say. So, so we're, 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 we're pulling for you, Representative Schlossberg. I appreciate that, Pastor, very much. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank you for joining us in the pastor's office this afternoon. It was your first, but we hope it certainly will not be your last. Uh, we love hearing good news about positive things uh, that are making their way through the House and, and through uh, Harrisburg that will impact the people of Pennsylvania. So listen, we're keeping you in prayer. Uh, we're keeping you lifted up, and we want to encourage you to keep on delivering for the people of Pennsylvania. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate the prayers and the opportunity to talk about something this important. Call anytime. All right. All right, Philly's favorite listeners, you stay right there, and we'll be right back to close out the show. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, it's that final segment of the show where I've got to kind of say goodbye to you and let you know that we'll see you next week. But before I go, I want to share with you today that we had what we like to call a youth explosion here at Northeast Baptist Church, uh, where I pastor. Uh, today we recognize the accomplishments of many of our young people. Uh, I would say that we had about 75, 80 young people in worship today. Uh, we certainly didn't know all of their accomplishments, but for those that we received information on, we made sure that we let the church know uh, we had almost 10 high school graduates today. Some graduated at the top of their class. They're going to universities uh, across the country. Uh, we've had, we have young people uh, that have excelled in music, uh, excelled in athletics. Uh, I mean, it was just a blessed service. Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing it because it's imperative it's critical that we acknowledge the successes of our young people, because if we don't give them the attention now, the streets are ready to give them the attention tonight, tomorrow, and for the rest of their lives. So I want to encourage us today, find the young person that's doing something positive and let them know that you see them thriving, that you see them working hard, that you see them uh, uh, doing their absolute best to be a blessing to not only themselves, but to their families and to their communities. Man, I told you earlier in this show, we are sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, of the violence and the crime that's going on in the city of Philadelphia. But I will tell you that if we want change, it starts with prayer and connecting with the Father. But I really believe that next piece is making sure that the cycles don't repeat themselves. And how do you make sure the cycles don't repeat themselves? You start with the young people. Encourage a young person today. 
Tell them you love them today. Lift them up today. And let them know that if they put God first, success will crown their life's endeavors. All right, Philly Favor listeners, I'm out of here. I'm going to go take my young people out to dinner and celebrate them for finishing another year of school. I'll see you right back here in the pastor's office next week. Same time, same place. But don't you forget, join us on June 30th, 4701 Tackawana Street, 6.30 p.m. for a very important first prayer march. Love you, family. Talk to you soon. Stay on top. The bottom is no place for God's children. Political spirit to maybe some life while you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Yeah. And take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Right. The frequency yeah. tune in. Get up word with Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up and take a seat.